This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Clean Cause. Do you need a healthier option for a quick boost? Grab a Clean Cause organic herba mate. Get your day going with 160 milligrams of better caffeine that won't cause crashes, it won't cause the jitters like coffee and some of those other energy drinks do. You can choose from eight flavors of sparkling herba mate or try out the newly launched non-carbonated herba mate as well. Clean Cause, I believe, uh, on uh, just recently launched some new flavors, so be sure to check those out. Uh, here's the best part about this. The drinks are great. Clean Cause is a great company. That's why uh, we partner with them. But the best part is that every sip makes a difference in the fight against addiction. Clean Cause donates not 10%, not 20%, 50% of net profits to support individuals in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. So grab a boost, live better, help transform lives. Head on over to cleancause.com and get 20% off your order with promo code SOBERGUY. That's cleancause.com. Enter the promo code SOBERGUY at checkout and save 20%. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Ramey. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. You can find more podcasts, more resources. You can also contact us by going to thatsoberguy.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. All the links from today's show will be in the show notes, so they're easy for you to find. Have an amazing guest for you today. His name is Ken Cox. And uh, Ken comes from uh, humble beginnings in Missouri. And uh, Ken's conquered a life full of hardships. Um, best part is he's come out and risen above all those uh, from being born homeless and developing alcoholism to becoming the president of River City Internet Group. Uh, he also owns a boxing gym where he teaches kids how to box, which has helped him uh, in his own path to recovery, just being a mentor, uh, being a great example uh, to, to the youth today. Uh, so I'm so excited to have him on the podcast today. We're going to share, uh, he's going to share a little bit about his story and talk about his new book that he has coming out. Uh, Ken, it's great to have you on the podcast, my friend. Uh, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm always excited to, uh, to, to talk about some recovery, some life, and hear some, some great stories from those folks out there who have uh, been able to overcome uh, some, some crazy stuff, man. So uh, maybe, maybe we'll dive right in. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ken. Oh, just right raw, right from the beginning. I love it. Um, my name's Ken. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. I grew up in a town called Arnold, Missouri. Uh, today, I, I'm the operator of River City Internet Group. I'm the president. We help uh, companies of all sizes, from the local um, corner shop, like the business that me and my wife own, all the way up to you know some of the largest companies in the world. And I like that kind of wild diversity. Um, that's kind of what keeps me going. I get to stay yeah. in a playground my entire existence. It's, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, my days today I spend, um, you know, most days I wake up at eight, I hit the office by nine. I get to the gym about six 30 PM. I'm there till about nine o'clock. That's Monday through Wednesday. My Thursday night I, I work, I do my day job. Um, and I hit my smart recovery meeting every Thursday. Nice. Um, that helps me a bunch that group. Um, Friday nights is hanging out with the family at home, playing, get, probably playing video games. But I'd like to say we play board games, but that's. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've been I've been getting on quite a bit of uh, 
MLB 2023 with my son. You know, we're, we're big baseball baseball family. And so it's funny. He's in Little League now, and I've coached him the last few years. And, I, you know, he's learned a lot about the game, uh, obviously, by playing and just playing catch. And I try to teach him. And my uh, his uncle um, played for Oregon State, so he takes him out. Got some great coaching. But I'll tell you what, playing MLB 2023 and 2022 in the – like, he's learned the game so much from just playing that. Some, so, I mean, there's a purpose yeah. there, man. You know, it's there, there's good things definitely, um, you know, that can come out of that. So – I'm sure it's a far cry from Ken Griffey Jr. on the N64. Oh, man, dude, that game was so fun. That was one of my favorites back in the day. The N- That and GoldenEye. I don't know if you played GoldenEye back in the day, too. Yes, like that was amazing. That was oh, like that the was first a... first-person shooter that it was, was on a council. I, re- I remember friends in the neighborhood, like before you could play online, they would take it and set up multiple TVs in the house and then have yes. a split screen. I know there's folks out there listening right now that are going, yes, you know, and you know you're uh, 40 and over or roughly there. So anyways, man, yeah. So um, so go ahead, man. Go uh, Friday night, you were saying do some. Do yeah, so Friday nights, and, just yeah. hang out with the family. Um, Saturdays, we wake up. Uh, we hit the gym pretty early and we're there till about four or five in the afternoon. And then it's, it's chill. Um, yeah. Sundays is my day with just the kids. So the wife goes to the gym and she does that day with the at the gym. And then I hang out with just it's me. Uh, my daughter and my son, Joe, awesome. and we hang out till about four or five o'clock in the afternoon. The wife comes home and then we just finish our night. And uh, that's pretty much my week. Yeah. How it goes today. Right. I stay really, really busy. Um, you know, now I'm even on, on Mondays. I'm, I start that day at four, 4 a.m. Right. And I yeah. run it a, a really long day on Mondays. But what's the boxing uh, staying busy and staying active is, is a huge part for me. What, what's a, a boxing gym called? It's called Box STL. Uh, just www.boxstl.com local. Uh, we've got about 500 students total. So yeah. I call it a small boxing school, but we are the largest in, in Missouri. Um, yeah. is specifically for sanctioned um, USA boxing fighters. Got it. Got it. Nice, right. man. Yeah. I, I, uh, a friend of mine recently in the last year or so, they started a, a boxing club called old glory boxing club out here club mm-hmm. out here in Northern California. And it's just been great to see kids, like so many kids, women, men of all different skill levels. Um, and obviously, you know, the majority of folks aren't going to go step in the ring and, and box somebody, you know, no. for, but the, the cardio, the, um, the mental workout and, uh, just the overall, uh, community has just been so cool. It's so cool to, to be a part of that. Uh, and it sounds like that's something that is very close to you and your family as well. Absolutely. My, my daughter doesn't box anymore. Um, she turned 16 and she's like, see that uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do other stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to hang out with you at the gym all the time oh, anymore. Man. So, um, but me and my wife are there, you know, she trains, I mean, she's our best trainer hands down by, by far. Uh, she trains heavy bag classes, fitness classes and stuff like that. And I work with the kids, uh, primarily, which has been, um, since this is about recovery more than anything, um, what I found along this path is that the sport of boxing helped me quit drinking. And I think it didn't, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to quit drinking so that I can box. It was, it was therapy for me to have something that I could do, get that energy out and do those things for the mindset. Um, And I've always heard like, you've got to quit for yourself and you can't quit for anybody else. And um, I, I don't disagree with that for the first initial quitting part. 
But until I had something else to work towards that made me stay that way, I, I don't think I would be in the place that I am today that I could say, yes, I believe at least yeah. uh, I, I believe that I am um, not going to drink anymore in my life. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm with you on that too. I don't uh, have any plans to, uh, <laughs> but I'm also aware that at any moment, um, you know, something, uh, something could happen and I got to be careful, I guess, but I don't live in fear of that either. And I guess I only say that just because, it does question, I don't know if you question this yourself too, but like I've heard so many stories of people like 10 years sober, 14 years sober, and then all of a sudden one day they wake up and, and, and they go back and drink. And I, I don't understand it. I, I'm, I'm sure that most people who even experience that don't understand it. Um, but I, like to, I, I guess I like to think that I, I like to stay vigilant as I'm sure you do as well. And that's probably why you're involved in um, different groups and like how how important yeah. is that to you like community you said smart recovery boxing like how is that I, a huge I, part of it I, it's a hundred percent i don't know i don't know that i could get there without it I, yeah I, I just don't know that yeah uh, probably wouldn't be having this conversation without all of that infrastructure yeah right totally. well no i wouldn't i, I know i would right yeah so yeah, I tried to do it a long time on my own as well. And, and I always failed every time. And it wasn't until, you know, a friend of mine actually just hit me up yesterday and said, hey, I'm doing a, um, a podcast on accountability. Do you want to drop a, a quote down or whatever? So I shot him a couple of quotes or whatever. And I was thinking about it as I was kind of writing those out, like how important accountability is and how important having other people in your corner is like, I, I was able to put together a few weeks here and there on my own but probably 10 times or more, I always went back and it wasn't until I had some accountability, some community um, that I was able to actually get on a different path and, and really make some real changes. Right. Um, I had to actually say I was quitting forever. Right. Cause I tried the moderation gig. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, and I quit for a long time. I, you know, I went, I got in a lot of trouble at the age of 13. Um, I'm a firm believer in uh, natural medicine, natural flowers, mushrooms, and things of that nature. Right? right? I'm a huge believer in that that medicine. So, and and I grew up in that kind of environment. So, at the age of 13, I got in some pretty significant trouble, and I went through some some tough love stuff. Right, and yeah. through that, I was constantly in the counselor's office and things like that. And um, it's really funny because my adoption went through at the age of 13. So my, my name finally changed. I'm finally Kenny Cox by, at the age of 13 legally. get my new birth certificate, and then I get arrested immediately after, put on probation until I'm 18. Uh, wow. So, you know, I'm in basically Kate's state custody. Uh, I got to check in all the time and constant drug tests and stuff like that. So they put me through AA at 13. Um, and through the – through in the 80s, they called it tough love and AA, and it was youth AA and all that stuff. Um, so I didn't drink from 18 to 22. I drink a little bit. Like um, I would call it what it would be a normal high school shenanigan. Yeah. You know, a couple of keggers at, 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 at the field and stuff like that. But all through high school, I didn't really drink. I drank a lot in elementary school. Um, a whole lot. Like um, I missed my first day of school in second grade because I was too drunk to go. In second grade? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. so let, let's back up a little bit then from there because I think that I want to bring this up too. In the bio I read – 
You said from being born homeless. So how, mm -hmm. how did, what, what is, what is the story behind that? And then how does that lead into dude drinking in, in the second grade? Yeah. So my, my very similar to my story, my mother's born. She doesn't know her father, my grandma, uh, my grandmother, God love her. She's a gypsy, right? She's been in and out of jail. Uh, my grandfather's a, you know, roughneck, um, good old boy, yeah. Irish boy, just off the boat, right? <laughs> kind wow. of guy. So, um, you know, all of that stuff was fine, but my mother's stepfather was wildly abusive. And when she got pregnant with me at the age of 19, he kicked her out. So she was, you know, homeless, um, didn't have a place to stay while we were at the hospital. Um, some of my cousins got together and rented an apartment above one of my other cousins bar. Right. So, so that I would have a place to come home from the hospital at. Mm -hmm. So we come home and my mom is now the bartender at the age of 19 or early twenties. She's bartending at the bar that we live in. Right. So that, that's how we get started. Uh, my dad worked, my stepdad worked across the street in the bakery and he'd come over there and drink. He, right. Can he work second shit? He'd yeah. come over and drink. They'd party all night. And, um, that was the gig, right? Yeah, so that's what they did. They partied that whole time, and then they got married when I was two. Okay. Um, so then we uh, moved from downtown, or not downtown St. Louis, but uh, St. Louis, we have what you call the state streets. Okay. Um, not that great of areas, right? Some states are good, some states are bad kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. Um, we didn't, you know, we got where we lived, we get robbed. Like our house would get broken into once or twice a year, right? Yeah. From, from the stories that I've heard. So- uh, we moved to this little town called Arnold, which is a suburb right outside of St. Louis. Good old union boys, right? You sit on the park and you sit. Everybody gets home from work at, depending on what shift they work, first, second, or third, right? And there, But yeah. always there's the garage door open and two to five guys sitting in lawn chairs drinking beer. Work hard, play hard. That's right? it. Right? Yeah. Um, and the and the two, two to ten-year-olds are running and getting them beers and taking drinks every time when they come back. Yeah, that's crazy. So... You start to, uh, you know, obviously like monkey see, monkey do type of thing too, you know. Mm -hmm. And so as a as a child, like I can I can remember seeing my father drink, and I can remember being in the car and seeing him uh, drinking and driving, saying, "You don't do this, <laughs> you don't do that." And I don't blame. Him. I'm not even saying that like, oh, he's like a piece of crap or anything. Like he just he didn't know any better. I'm not making excuses, but right. I've dealt with a lot of that stuff and, and been able to process it now and understand it and see him as a human being uh, just as flawed as myself and, and any one of us in any way. But like we see those things as kids and no matter how, how hard we say, or how many times we say, I'm not going to do that. Like the odds are not in our favor. You know what I'm saying? Like for, for experiencing that. So, um, those generational curses continue to get passed down, I guess, is, is what I'm getting at. And so does that Absolutely. kind of lead you into where you're drinking and that lifestyle comes from? Uh, you know, I don't want to blame anything. As a young kid, obviously, I didn't know any better. I was yeah. in a bad environment. Okay, fine. At 13, they put me in all these programs. I knew the risks. I knew all those things, right? By the age of 22, when I consciously um, broke up with my girlfriend and went and bought a six-pack and I sat down and I drank and I knew what I was doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was trying to leave a situation from my mind. Um, that day didn't hurt anything. So six-pack the next day, 12-pack the next day. Um, you know, that leads to 
right back to um, you know my favorite drink when I was a kid, which was vodka and Kool Aid. <laughs> <laughs> vodka and Kool Aid. That's a new one. I don't think I've heard that one yet. Dang. Lots of sugar involved in that as well. Oh, yeah. You put some vodka in your thermos and go to school. You got Dang, a good day. That's crazy, man. In second grade, too, you say, like, wow. Um, yeah, we had – so uh, the bakery that my father, my stepdad worked at was bought by Anheuser-Busch. Oh, so man. it was free booze coming home. My mom worked at a bar. We had a full wet bar with a full tap and a full everything in our house yeah. all growing up. But by, by the time I was – you know, I would I would say by the time I was five or six years old, my dad, my stepdad had a good union job. My mom was um, she was now manager at the bars, yeah. right? So life isn't life is a dream comparatively to what where they were. Sure, yeah, sure. Right, we have a house. We're no longer in an apartment, right? So yeah. we were, I guess, when we first moved to Arnold, there was you know five kids and two adults and a two bedroom apartment, hmm. right? And then we bought a three bedroom house. Yeah, uh, so when I was like. Yeah, you know, and then we all moved over there, right? Literally across the street. Yeah. So, so how does that take you as you become an adult, twenty two? Um, how did it progress to where you started to think, like, man, I this is an issue. This is affecting my life. It's affecting my family. Like, and then what did you do about it? Never thought it was an issue for a long time. Started drinking again when I was twenty two, pretty hard. Always trying to hustle and create stuff that. Yeah you know, other people weren't doing, right? That's always been like, hey, what is, where's the herd going? What can I create that's different than everybody else, right? So always, always hard there. Um, I got, uh, I left college to go on a, a tour with some music bands. Um, did that for a summer, came home, got into um, IT and stuff like that. And then I got audited from the IRS for one of my shenanigans. It turns out I owed them $17,000. So I'm like, okay, this is great. I've got all my stuff that I'm doing, um, starting the company um, of Hosterian. And I take a job as a bartender at night, 24, 25 years old at this point. Yeah. So now I've got corporate America all day and bar all night. And wow. I have unlimited everything um, again, right? I learned with the music in the music industry and in the entertainment industry, uh, put yourself in positions to where everything is free, mm. right? And yeah. bartending, stage manager, those kinds of things, everything is just handed to you. Um, and that's what I did. And I did that until I was 31 when I met my wife. Mm. So the, And there was no problems, right? Because I had full access to all the nightlife in the city. Yeah. Um, catering clients all the time. I'm a wildly functional alcoholic that can wake up at eight o'clock and start drinking. I can have a shot or two of Jaeger in the morning before I head off to work. Nobody even knows what I look like sober. <laughs> right? yeah. Nobody in the world knows what I even look like sober. Um, I can take clients out to lunch for a couple of beers. I can take clients out at, for happy hours for a couple more beers. And I can take vendors out till two or three in the morning playing crafts and get huge discounts on equipment. So everything that yeah. I do, alcohol rewards me. Got it. Dang. Right. Yeah. And when I'm in these situations like the bars and you're in your 20s um, and you're not the best looking man in the world, beautiful women tend to love you when you have unlimited amounts of alcohol and access to things that other people don't have. So yeah. everything until I got married and even then after that, I was being rewarded for my ability 
to consume yeah. massive amounts of alcohol without any without affecting any of my performance. Yeah, which is crazy because we hear these stories of the negative effects of alcohol and it sounds like at this point you're really just associating with positive effects everything is working well for the most part for you and like you said you're very high functioning which i, I would say until about two years ago if somebody asked me the question do you have a problem with alcohol so i don't have a problem with the alcohol the world has a problem with me drinking alcohol Right. <laughs> yeah. So, well, like, so what changed? Like what, what, what was it that shifted that mindset for you just even in the last two years? Um, it, it's the kids at the gym. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, my wife, my, my kids are a huge influence. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I play, I, I was playing a different role with them, right? I'm playing a husband role and I'm playing a father role. Yeah. And I didn't realize what that really meant. I didn't realize that being a father being a husband, being a manager at a company and being a coach that all of those roles require you to be a coach, but I had never been a coach before. Mm. And now I have to start learning how to, I'd been a trainer and yeah. I trained people how to do things, but I'd never had to coach somebody to go from a position of having anger and frustration knowing they need to release it and then going into a situation where they're going to trade punches with their best friend in the face and not get emotional about it. Yeah. Got it. Right. And I had to, and I had to figure out how to coach people, how to do that. And I found myself um, in business. I call it a smack um, systematic, methodical and consistent rule set. You can call those core values. Yeah. So we, I had to create the core values for the boxing team. And as I'm saying them nonstop, um, and then I'll even give a shout out, you know, I, I'm going to give two shout outs to Billy Jean is marketing here. Um, one for the, just having the core values. And then two, he, he made me, he asked me one day, um, okay, you know, everything you need to do to move forward, but what do you need to stop doing? Mm. Yeah. What is it that you have to stop doing to get what you want? Mm. Um, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh man, like, fuck you, man. Nobody's yeah. ever asked me that one before. Yeah, um, and and it started becoming obvious, and I started um, using the core values, developing the core values for the team, so that I could communicate to them the some of the things that they need to do to help change their mindset from hitting a heavy bag to getting in the ring and competing for the first time, and then getting in the ring and competing as what we call gladiators competing for other people's entertainment yeah, and with the potential of being wildly humiliated. I mean, think of that as a 14 year old kid, right? Totally. <laughs> You're going to yeah. get up in front of your friends and family and a thousand strangers and you might throw up, yeah. right? You're, you yeah. might get knocked down. You might, all of these things. So I had to figure out ways to communicate to these young boys and girls on those and as i'm saying these core values every single day to them so that they become ingrained in these kids so they part of them i guess it became ingrained in me yeah yeah <laughs> so so would you say that 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 so that was kind of the start of that mind that mindset um and then like what i hear too when you say that and when you describe that is you're really serving, you're being of service to others. And so in order to be of service to others, 
you can't just talk to talk. You got to walk the walk too, which is, which is tough to do sometimes. I mean, I think it's a great question that, that, um, that you were asked as well. Like, what do you need to lay down? You know, cause sometimes we do, we know what we need to do. We need to do this. I need to do that. Sometimes we just need to rest and not do anything, which yeah. is, which is tough sometimes for dudes who are like high energy functioning, like yourself, like me, like I'm, I'm on the go a lot. And I forget sometimes I just need to chill. I just need to sit in my own thoughts. I just need to sit yeah. and pray and meditate and just be. And um, that's really hard to like, <laughs> my son told me the other day, he goes, I don't even remember what I was doing. And he goes, hey dad, you know, and he's, he's nine, he's almost nine. He goes, why don't you just take a break? Why don't you just not do anything? Like, man, thanks, bro. It's really insightful of you, young man. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah, but and it's hard, man. It's hard to do that. It is. Um, and, and uh, you know, that's. I'm not even a year sober right now without a drink. Um, I think I'm probably seven years into actually making an attempt. Yeah. To to, to quit. Um, I'm probably a year into actually. Yeah. Making it saying, okay, we're not going to drink at all. Um, so, not this, not all the excuses of, okay, well I'll get it under control or I can have three beers if we're at the special event so that I look like a normal human at the bar. Yeah. Um, you know, those kinds of things that you tell yourself that, um, they're just lies to yourself. Yeah. I know. And, and I love you, uh, for saying that like so openly too, man, because, um, I feel like you know, a lot of the time on this on this show too, we have a lot of guests who have you know multiple years of sobriety. They haven't drank in a long time. There's a lot of people who listen to this show who are sober today, or they want to get sober today, or they're in their first 30, 60, 90 days, their first year. And so I, I love this because you're in that right now. Like, what would you say to those folks in in your you know from from your experience and from what you're going through that might speak to somebody or, or help them? Uh, take every time that you don't do the activity that you want to do as, as a confidence builder. Um, for me, it helps me a lot to talk about it and put myself out. Right. Because yeah, um, I, the, the, the more I talk about it, the more fearful I am of the fall. Right. I mean, I'm not that big of a fan of, I'm not, I don't have to win. I freaking hate losing. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't have sense. to always be the winner, yeah. but I don't definitely don't want to be the loser. So giving myself that confidence. Um, and you know, for, for me, I had so many, I drank every day of my life. Like I drank a lot. Yeah. At least 20 or 30 beers and a, and a fifth every day. Um, you know, I have letters from the insurance company saying you drink too much. We're dropping it. Right? I'm not going to cover you anymore because your liver shot you dummy. Um, so like I had trouble driving home from work and driving past the gas station and not stopping at the gas station to get my two beers to drive home. I live six miles from work. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I grabbed two tall boys to go home, to grab my gym bag, to go to the gym. Do you feel like routine is a, a big part of it too? Like a lot of it for folks is we're just stuck in this routine. And so those routines, those habits, let alone the drinking itself, it's just the routine of pulling in and stopping and going in and buying, buying the beer yes. and then going home. Like how, how did you break some of those, those patterns? It's freaking hard, man. Um, and, and I don't know. They still scare me today. 
Yeah. Right. The last time I drank was February 1st of this year. I had, I bought two beers. I drank two drinks of it of the first one. I threw it away. Hmm. Right. I had a really, really bad time. Um, and I was like scorched earth mood. I stopped. I bought two beer, two tall boys. Um, and I, I took one or two drinks and I threw it away. I was like, this doesn't even, I don't even like the taste anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, so that gave me a lot of confidence. I was, um, I took my daughter to Boston last a couple weeks ago for an event. Right. And I didn't realize the hotel that we booked. I'm, I'm going to be in this hotel room for 15 hours by myself mm. for three days. Right. Working uh, while my daughter's at this event for future doctors of America, we pull in and there's a 99s bar attached to the hotel and my heart sunk. Like, I'm like, fuck, I got to be here all week. Yeah. By myself in this room and I'm attached, not just any bar, like a dark, dingy, old school kind of bar that I could absolutely sit down and drink for the whole day, all day long and just make tons of friends and have a great time. Yeah. Um, and and it was challenging, right? It's super yeah. challenging to be there and, and know that I could just go and blow the whole thing off and nobody would ever know. Yeah. So now whenever I'm thinking about stuff, I have so much anxiety about putting on masks and not being my authentic self that if I had to hide and I never hit my alcohol or my alcohol consumption ever, yeah. if I had to hide that from the world, I think I would feel so disgusted with myself huh. um, that I wouldn't be able to live. Yeah. Right. Oh. So for me, it's either fewer honesty or, or toe the line. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the only way I could do it. So, um, I think what you're talking about too is just like as a man and a father and a husband and just a person like integrity. Like a, I think the definition somewhat of integrity is, you know, doing the right thing like when nobody's looking. Cause like you said, you, nobody would know, like you could do that, but like you have found it in yourself to, um, you know, to, to stay true to that. And, and, and like you said, be disgusted if you were to continue that, that behavior, which is, which is a tough, you know, that's a tough thing to do also, you know? Well, and, and I wouldn't be disgusted with myself if I failed. Yeah. Yeah. But I would be disgusted with myself if I failed and didn't and tried to hide it. Yes. Gotcha. I, I, I think if difference. I did, if I ever let myself go down that path and I know a lot of people have gone down that path and I'm not judging them for themselves, yeah. but I feel if I ever went down the path of drinking and hiding it from the world, that that would just be the death of me. Yeah. It, it would kill me so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so how, that, how I, that I couldn't go there. How do you, um, how did you navigate uh, like the healing process for you? Like what is some of that healing things been? And like how, like, you know, what did you do? What worked? What didn't work? What, what are some, you know, some tips or thoughts for anyone else listening maybe too? And, and I can't say that my recipe is everybody's recipe. Yeah. Um, at the age of, um, at the age of seven, I started counseling in, in therapy, yeah. um, for some other issues that I've, that I had when I was younger. Um, and one of the therapies that they gave me at the age of seven was to write every day. Right. And I did that for a long time and I'm back to doing that again. So that is a, a large part of it is. And, and when I say, right, I don't, you don't have to get a pen and paper 
you can get a recorder, you can just do voice to text on Google Drive, whatever it is, but you have, for some reason, getting these thoughts out of your body and out of your mind and out helps yeah. in a tremendous way. And I don't know what it is. I don't know why, um, but it helped me a ton and it's helped me my entire life. So just daily, and it doesn't even have to be a journal, right? Like, yeah. like something, I, if I find my old journal, sometimes it's like, you know, just a big word fuck on it, right? <laughs> That's it. Like I filled the paper, screw you, I'm yeah. done. Yeah. Um, so that was that's a, a key to my existence in life is just writing and keeping that 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 um, dialogue in my head always coming out. Um, smart recovery has been huge for me, and the tools burnt there. My very beginning, the only tool that I could do that would help me when when my wife's like, "Hey, you have to, we're done if you don't quit drinking." Mm. Like this is where this is over. Like these yeah. fights and all this shit are just too too much. I was constantly being triggered. I was going through a lot at the office. Um, so it came down to, I was going to die. I was going to lose my wife, everything, you know, basically my life would be over. Um, the only thing that I could do to not drink was procrastinate. Yeah. And, and I learned that skill from smart recovery and, and it was, and it basically like, it was just like, okay, can I go an hour if I tell myself I'm not drink for the next hour, can I do it? Mm. Right? And that's literally how I had to start was, can I do that? Right. And that was weeks. And then it was, can I drive home today and not stop at the gas station and get the beers? Can I do that? Right. Like, yeah. and then building these um, new kind of thought processes on how I interact through my day. And, oh yeah, I can, I don't have to, I, I can tell myself I'm not going to do something and not do it. Yeah. I've always been phenomenal at saying, Hey, I'm going to go do that and do it. <laughs> yeah. I can do that nonstop, but to tell myself you can never do this again or don't do this has been yeah. a challenge for me since day one. And that's like back to like what your, your buddy asked you, right? Like what, what are you not going to do? Yes. Which which is which is crazy, and it's and what you're talking about. I mean, you're literally rewiring parts of your brain, like you're rewiring those patterns, right. those old, even those environments. Like when you were describing the hotel, going and sitting down in the 99 bar, I think is what what it was called. Yeah. You said um, that the kind of dark and just that whole vibe. Like from what it sounds like, that's that's a lot what you grew up in, like yeah. back in the day. So you're taking those those thoughts from childhood. And almost reliving them in this setting where it feel where it feels very comfortable and it feels very welcoming and like that's that's what you know. And going against that goes against all of that, like emotionally, yes. physically, mentally, which is super, super tough, man. So other tool meditation's obviously huge. Um EMDR was a huge help. Mm. Um EMDR coupled with cannabis was a wild game changer. Yeah. Uh, for me, the, the, the two coupled together, um, being able to have a medication that allows me to sit in my emotions, my most deep emotions and work through them without going into a huge panic attack, without doing those things has been a tremendous help for me. Got it. What, um, and so the, the EMDR too, just for those out there who might not know, that's, 
you're kind of going into a meditative state that's guided, right? With a therapist or somebody there. And they, they you, kind of, yeah, I recommend starting with guided for sure before yeah. going off on your own. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was super helpful for you. I don't know that I would have been able to overcome some of, well, one, I had traumas I didn't even know about. Yeah. yeah that, yeah. that EMDR helped me overcome. And then, Basically, what you can what what you can do with EMDR is analyze your triggers and reprogram your brain around those triggers and create new narratives around um, behaviors. Right. So it's it's basically behavior programming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, so we we got about about a little less than ten minutes left today. How like if we. Um, well, how do you stay sober in stressful times? Like what are some of the, st- some of the things that you use? What could you share with others? Like when you get an urge or you have an old memory or a thought or something stressful comes up, what are some of the things that you do? I, I if I can, I go to the gym and I mean, I bought the boxing gym to, so that I had the place that I could go to anytime I needed to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great <laughs> so, investment. <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously if I can find a sparring partner, clearing my mind, if I can figure out a way to clear my mind now, I would love to say that, Oh, I have an urge and I can go meditate and it goes away. Uh, But for some reason with meditation, you can meditate for weeks, months on end and everything is great. And then for some reason you just stop doing it one day. (laughs) Yeah. I know. It's weird. Right. And then your life slowly unravels and it gets worse and worse and worse. So you lose, you lose that practice of meditation every day. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, tr- I break a lot. Um, but I, I think just breathing, breathing is the most important yeah. thing for me. Now, if I have a trigger today and I can't get to the gym, my wife's not there to console me. It's not uh, within 15 minutes of, or having my smart recovery meeting every Thursday, I know that. I have to get to Thursday. Yeah. Right. So, but if it's, you know, if something triggered me Thursday evening after my meeting, I would be a week away. Right. So that would, that might not be the, the savior for me. So when everything else fails, everything else fails, then I just have my breath work. Got it. Yeah. And that's it. And that's just close my eyes. And I guess it's a form of meditation, but it's not as deep. Yeah. Right. It's just a slow breath in and a long exhale out. Um, which, you know, if you're close to me, you see me do that pretty regularly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bre- breath work has gotten, um, it, I feel like it's getting more known, especially throughout the recovery community as a tool to, uh, to help me- you know, along with meditation. Um, and it's, it's funny, like I'll find myself sometimes on the go, 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 go. Like we talked about just being busy dudes and stuff earlier and having to stop and go, just breathe because even my breaths are so short because I'm going so fast. I've just got to do this, got to do that. And it's right. like, wait, just stop, just breathe. And I can feel like in a matter of a minute, just a couple deep breaths and just like, okay, this, okay. Yeah. Here, all right. All right, right. Got it. That's all I needed to do there. Hey, hold on one sec. Let me, uh, let me make sure this is plugged in here. Um, so, you know, before we wrap up to, if you don't, 
if you're if you're up for it, I would love to hear a little bit how um, cannabis CBD has has helped you. Um, I want to I want to also you know say like I I'm not a I'm not a huge I'm I'm not a supporter of bong rips and blunts anymore like I used to do back in the day. Right. I do understand that our bodies are made up of an endocannabinoid system and CBD has many, many, many powerful benefits, both right. neurologically, um, in the physical sense, in the, in the mindset sense, my wife has used it, uh, for migraines instead of prescription medication, which she was starting to uh, become, um, I don't know if I could say addicted to, but definitely reliant on. And it was really, really having a huge effect. Um, you know, this is when our kids were were a bit younger too, but it was having an effect on her day-to-day functions just because she would have to take it for the migraines and then it would literally destroy her for the next couple of days. She would be down. And right. using CBD in that, um, and I've heard of I've heard of so many people using even um different psychedelics to heal trauma. That's a, that's a big topic of conversation within the recovery community. And just in general too, I personally believe that it's very interesting and that there's a lot of benefits to it. And people have seen um, a lot of, uh, a lot of benefits to it. And, and I think the tough thing is that people, people want to automatically go to abusing, um, you know, drugs and stuff and right. doing it as recreation. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't believe that's what you're talking about either. Not at all. We're talking about, um, scientific evidence and proof that, um, that these things actually can have massive benefits for people. So I'll stop there. I, I would love to hear your take on any of that. Yeah. So I can, and we'll just talk about CBD, right? Because sure. it's the most, um, innocent, of the whole family yeah. right so and i'll just tell my story on the the first moment the first time the doctor told me you're gonna die mm. right wow. um so i operate data centers and i get i had a data center in downtown st louis really really rough part of town um it's been on the news for shootings in the front street right and all yeah. that fun stuff so i get called it's it's probably 11 p.m to 1 a.m in the morning somewhere in there uh, there's an issue at the data center and I've got to go deal with it. The only one that knows how to fix this particular thing. I'm the only one that's available at the moment. Uh, yeah. Not a big deal. This is one-on-one stuff for me, right? Hop in the car, drive downtown, fix it, go home, go back to sleep. Not that big of a deal. Um, I get downtown. I fix the problem. I walk out into, we have these, what's called these heat mitigation rooms, um, or we used to. It's a big square room, 10,000 square feet that servers just dump hot air into, right? Because it's cheaper to air conditioning. So it's like it's like 98 to 110 degrees in this room. I walk in, I feel dizzy. I just lay down on the concrete floor. The rest is a little blurry to me. The next thing that I realize is that I'm in the doctor's office, right? Uh, and my blood pressure is just yo-yoing all over the place. Yeah. Um, Doctor keeps asking me, are you still drinking? I say, yes, I'm still drinking. He finally comes to the point where he says, I have no, your heart's fine. You're not having a heart attack. You know, your heart rate's 190 to 210 over 110, whatever, right? And then it just drops. But your heart's fine. We've done EKGs. We've done all that stuff. But I just can't, there's, I can't figure out what's wrong with you. So when was the last time you had a drink? I was, oh, shit. I've had strep throat the last couple of days. I've been at home sleeping. I've not drank in three days. He's like, okay, pull the liver panel. My liver counts were just under 900. 
Um, he's like, okay, thousands unrecoverable, but we're lucky we caught it now. Wow. So you have two choices. Go home. And, and I've always been honest with my doctor. So he knows I drink a case of beer and a fifth every day. Like he just knows. I've always been honest with my doctor. Um, he's like, you got two choices. You can go home and keep drinking and you're all of this will go away. The second you take a drink, all these panic, like this blood pressure, all of these symptoms will go away. The second you take a, your first drink or you can quit today and I'll help you. If you go home, if you choose option A, you're dead in two years. Like it just, it's just gone. Dang. Right. So, um, I said, well, let's, let's quit. So he gives me Xanax to go home with. <laughs> yeah. Of course, dude. <laughs> and he's like, it's not the best thing, but if it can kill yeah. me, if it can get you to quit drinking, this is what we'll do. I'm like, okay. So I'm swallowing bricks of Xanax like they're freaking candy, oh, right? Man. Losing interest in my wife, losing interest in my job, losing interest in yeah. every single thing that I do, hating life. Like a zombie. Uh, very, very, not, not very frequently, not too far after that. Am I just miserable with life? Um, so I got to experience pretty significant withdrawals from alcohol. And then I got to significant issues um withdrawal from xanax xanax is better <laughs> but it's still pretty fucking bad yeah gosh um now i do not believe i could have come off the xanax without the cbd mm. cbd was the anti-inflammatory it was that with a bunch of other things uh cbd helped me dramatically through the transition off of xanax um into a life with um just that's, that would be substance free. How long did that take roughly to like from the time you started kind three of years, three. Wow. Dang. So it took a minute. It, it wasn't something that happened overnight. <laughs> God. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. It's been a, it's been a, um, a lot of people talk about rock bottom and I think that's for other kinds of alcoholics. That's not for functional alcoholics. Functional alcoholics, you can just drag our asses across the bottom for decades. We don't care. <laughs> right? It's like, this is where true. we live. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, this is home for me. Yeah. Right? Just being in, in, in dog shit and climbing is just where I, is where I can strive. But um, learning that there's other places that I can climb um, is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good good stuff, man. Um. Before we wrap up, any any advice, last minute thoughts, or if there's someone struggling out there right now that's listening, um, you have any any thoughts for them or any words, tips, advice? I mean, it goes against everything that you feel inside, um, but it's you just got to be selfish first and understand that if you don't take care of this machine that you were given. <laughs> Yeah. Right. With this, this thing that we live inside of, um, if you don't take care of it, then you, then you can't serve anybody else anyway. So it doesn't matter. And you're in, I don't know that you, I don't know what the point of existence is if I can't help other people. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that, man. Um, what is the point, you know, whether it's being fathers or, or mothers or friends um, and even just being of service to those that we don't know that we just care about other human beings. I, I really feel like that's what makes us tick. That's what makes us uh, feel alive in, in some sense. Yeah. So I, I agree a hundred on that. Um, I, I understand too, uh, real, real quick that you have a book coming out. 
um, soon. Did you want to, did you want to tell us a little bit about that and then where we might be able to, uh, to find, find that book? Yeah. So it, it's currently an edit. I'm not exactly hundred percent sure on who's going to publish it. Worst case scenario, we're going to go Amazon publishing. Um, yeah. that that's the, and that's probably what it's going to be. If I can't work a deal out with the publisher, uh, I have problem authority and people telling me how I'm going to publish my own things is I love it. <laughs> it's sometimes a challenge for me. Yeah. Uh, I th- the working title right now is unleashing the mindset of a gladiator, how to overcome anything. Um, it. and it's my story on the 12 core values that we developed for the boxing team, how I came up with those core values, a little bit about, you know, me and then specifically how I use those core values in my daily life to overcome challenges in business, boxing, or in overcoming alcoholism. So um, it. It, it's it's just raw. Um, yeah. It's not that long right now. I think we're you know about 40 pages long. I like quick books. It takes about an hour to listen to right now if you listen yeah. to the audiobook. So I'm hoping to have it released by September. Um, and if you it will be at KenCox.com for sure. Um, awesome. Listed there so that you will be able to find it there. And if you want to know more about me, you can find that at KenCox.com today. KenCox.com. Just adding that to the show notes as well. Um, and we'll put everything in there so it's easy for uh, for folks to find. Yeah. Hey, Ken, man, it's been great to uh, to chat with you, man. I really appreciate you coming on uh, That Sober Guy, sharing a little bit about your experience. And uh, just uh, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in today. You can find everything uh, that we talked about in the show notes today. Uh, share the podcast with a friend. I hope something spoke to you today. Connect with us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. Peace, love, and respect. Keep your blood clean. <laughs> <laughs>